Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 there's a ring of truth that is unmistakable knowing that you cannot find them all and if you listen carefully and sometimes even if you don't you can hear that sound thanks for joining us for today's edition of ring of truth our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. Jesus recognized only one author of the book of Isaiah. Jesus quoted from Isaiah eight separate times in the Gospels. And he quoted from the first half of Isaiah and from the second half of Isaiah. And he said it was Isaiah the prophet. Jesus recognized one author of the book of Isaiah. Uh, The New Testament writers, the apostles, recognized one author. The book of Isaiah is unique in a wide variety of ways. Not only is it the biggest book of the Bible but it also gives us the most details of the Lord out of any other book. Perhaps more controversial of its unique traits is its distinct shift in writing style, beginning in chapter 40. In today's message, Pastor Dan will teach you that contrary to popular belief, this book was written by the one and only prophet Isaiah. In his study, you'll learn how both the Lord himself as well as the writers of the New Testament affirm that Isaiah wrote the entire book himself. And now open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 40 as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. We're going to be in Isaiah 40. Uh, We're also going to look in John, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Hosea, and Matthew. So John, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Hosea, and Matthew. We're going to start out in Isaiah 40. Well, I've, I've mentioned previously in our Isaiah study that the book of Isaiah has two main divisions. Uh, the first division is chapter 1 to 39, and the second division is chapter 40 to chapter 66. And so tonight, we begin chapter 40, so we're beginning the second half of Isaiah. And I've also mentioned before that Isaiah... Uh, is sometimes called the Bible in miniature because it it parallels the whole Bible uh, pretty remarkably. Uh, Isaiah has 66 chapters. The Bible has 66 books. Isaiah is divided into two sections. The Bible is divided into two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, The first section of Isaiah has 39 chapters. The Old Testament has 39 books. The second half of Isaiah has 27 chapters. The New Testament has 27 books. The second section, beginning in chapter 40, uh, it begins with a prophecy describing the ministry of John the Baptist. If you look at verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, 
Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. You know, that's, that's the ministry of John the Baptist. That's describing the ministry of John the, the Baptist. Uh, the New Testament begins with the ministry of John the Baptist. The book of Isaiah ends with a description of the new heaven and the new earth, chapter 65 and chapter 66. The New Testament ends with a description of the new heaven and the new earth. And so uh, it's the Bible in miniature. And as we begin this, this second half of Isaiah tonight, this new section that corresponds with the New Testament, one of the things you're going to notice is that the tone of Isaiah changes beginning in chapter 40. Uh, if you were here for our earlier studies, it, the, the first part of Isaiah up through chapter 39 uh, spoke a lot about judgment, the judgment of God, the chastening of God on the children of Israel, on the, the kingdom of Judah. Uh, chapter 40 begins with comfort and blessing. Uh, chapter 40 and onward to the end of Isaiah is filled with a lot of hope and a future for the people of, of Israel. Uh, so you're going to see a shift here in the tone as we start chapter 40. Now, let me just say as an aside, because of this shift that takes place in the tone, where it's going to shift from judgment to comfort, uh, this is where a lot of the liberal critics of the Bible say that there, there must be two different authors of Isaiah because the tone changes here. You know, as if you don't ever change your tone, right? You always speak in the same tone, right? <laughs> well, that, this, is, this is where the critics get this idea. Well, the tone changes starting in chapter 40, so it must be some other, a second Isaiah uh, that writes about comfort here, and there's a first Isaiah who wrote about judgment in the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. And we've talked about that before. There's a lot of problems uh, with that theory that there's more than one author of Isaiah. Uh, one big problem with that is Jesus recognized only one author of the book of Isaiah. Jesus quoted from Isaiah eight separate times in the Gospels. And he quoted from the first half of Isaiah and from the second half of Isaiah and he said it was Isaiah the prophet. Jesus recognized one author of the book of Isaiah. Uh, the New Testament writers, the apostles, recognized one author of the book of Isaiah. In John's gospel, in John chapter 12, verse 38, John quotes from Isaiah 53, and then in the very next verse, he quotes from Isaiah 6, and he, he identifies Isaiah as the author of both. So John quotes in one section of Scripture, he quotes from the first half of Isaiah and the second half of Isaiah, and he says that, John, or that Isaiah wrote both of them. So the New Testament writers believe there was one Isaiah. And then we also have the Dead Sea Scrolls that were discovered in the late 1940s. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, there was a a complete copy of Isaiah, the whole book. Uh, the scroll is it's like 22 or 27 feet long. 
And it's the whole book of Isaiah. And that scroll does not make any distinction between the first half or the second half of Isaiah. And so uh, the, the evidence overwhelmingly points to one author of Isaiah. If Jesus thought there was one author of Isaiah, that's, that's good enough uh, for us. Uh, we'll go with what Jesus thinks. So, verse 1. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Now, just to give you the context here, if you look back in chapter 39, look at verse 5. Uh, then Isaiah said to King Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you. At this point, Hezekiah doesn't have any sons. This is a prophecy that he will have sons whom you will beget in the future, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good, for he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. And if you remember this passage from last week, remember Hezekiah was sick and near death, and God healed him. And Babylon heard about this miraculous healing, so they sent some ambassadors to Judah to visit King Hezekiah, and it, it were told that they, they wanted to learn about the miracle. They wanted to learn about this healing that Hezekiah had experienced. And what Hezekiah did is Hezekiah showed these, these ambassadors from Babylon, he showed them all of his wealth, all of his silver and gold and spices and riches, all of his treasures, he showed it to the Babylonians. And that's why Isaiah the prophet says, There's, the Babylonians are going to come back now and they're going to take everything from you and they're going to enslave your people and enslave your children. What Hezekiah did is kind of like, you know when occasionally you receive an email from a Nigerian prince who wants to give you $80 million, if you just give him your bank account number and transfer $2,000 to his account to pay for the fees, then he'll just transfer that $80 million to your account. It's kind of like Hezekiah sent his bank account information to the king of Nigeria here. And now he, he's shown the, the Babylonians all of his wealth. And so now the, the Babylonians are going to come back and they're going to take everything from him. And that's what Isaiah is talking about at the end of chapter 39. Now, when Isaiah says this, the Babylonians are not going to come and invade Judah for over a hundred years. So he's talking about something that's going to happen a hundred years or more in the future. When the Babylonians will come, they're going to conquer Judah, they're going to destroy Jerusalem, they're going to carry away all the people of Judah into slavery and what's called the Babylonian captivity. They're going to be slaves in Babylon for 70 years. Uh, and all of this is going to happen more than 100 years after Isaiah says this to King Hezekiah. But now you come to chapter 40, 
And immediately after describing what's going to happen to them in the future with Babylon, the Lord says to them, speak comfort to them. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Even though God will allow Babylon to come and to conquer them and take them into captivity for 70 years, they're still God's people. They're still God's people. He says, comfort my people. God hasn't forsaken them just because they're going into captivity. That's not a sign that God has turned from them. They're still his people, even though he's chastening them. They're still his. And after they're chastened, he speaks comfort to them. He comforts them. Just like a parent does with their child, and you, you chasten or you correct your child, and then you comfort them after you correct them so that they're assured of your love for them, and you, you, know, you embrace them and hug them and hold them, and you comfort them after chastening them. That's what the Lord does here. He wants to assure them of his love. He wants to comfort them after, after they go into the captivity and they come back. He, he wants them to be comforted. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. We'll have more from this message in a moment. But first, we'd like to tell you about an exciting resource available this Christmas season. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you more. Christmas can be a very busy time of year for most of us, and in our busyness, we can forget the reason for the season, Jesus Christ. So my wife, Cameron, wrote a wonderful daily devotional called 31 Days of December. This simple devotional is written for women and is designed to help you keep Jesus at the center of your Christmas season. We would be happy to mail you a copy as our thank you for your investment of any amount in this daily radio ministry. To receive your copy of 31 Days of December, visit our website at calvaryec.com and click on Give. Now, let's finish today's message. In verse 2, God says, Speak comfort to Jerusalem. Now, these verses, they are an an imperative in the Hebrew. That means it's a command. Uh, Jerusalem will be destroyed by the Babylonians, and then God says, speak comfort to Jerusalem. It's a command. You must speak comfort to Jerusalem. And verse 1, that's a command also. You must comfort my people. And it's in the plural. Uh, If you have an old King James Bible, it says, comfort ye my people, and speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. It's in the plural. He's saying, he's not just saying this to Isaiah the prophet. He's not just telling Isaiah, you, Isaiah, comfort my people. He's saying to anyone who reads this, including us, you, you all, y'all, that'd be Southern, right? Y'all, comfort my people. You must do this, all of you, anyone who reads this. I want you to comfort my people. And we see, the, we see the same command to us as believers in the New Testament. In 1 Thessalonians 4, comfort one another with these words. In 1 Thessalonians 5, therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. It's a command. Comfort each other, edify one another. This is something that God wants us to do. To comfort each other. 
Now, here, if you're taking notes, this word translated comfort in verse 1, uh, it's actually a different Hebrew word uh, from the word that's translated comfort in verse 2. So there's two different words here. In verse 1, the Hebrew word that is translated comfort means it means comfort. It means to console. And so in verse 1, God is saying, you must console my people. And again, you can imagine those who are carried away into slavery in Babylon reading these verses in Babylon, where he's talking about this, this hope beyond the captivity, and he is, he's commanding his people to comfort one another, console one another. They, they needed consoling. They needed consoling. You know, in, in Psalm 137, it says, Besides the rivers of Babylon... We sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We hung our harps in the trees. And it says, because how can we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? When they were in Babylon, they they wept. They had no joy. They were mourning. And so the Lord says to all of us, you must comfort my people. You must console them. Console them. They'll need consoling after their captivity. When they come back, they'll need comforting. In verse 2, the phrase, speak comfort to Jerusalem, that, that means uh, speak, speak tenderly to her heart. Speak tenderly to her heart. So console them. You know, the New Testament says we weep with those who weep, right? We console them. But then he says, speak to her heart. Speak tenderly to her heart. Minister to her heart. Now, what ministers to the heart? The gospel. The gospel. That our sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. That we're reconciled to God through His shed blood. And then all of our sins are forgiven and He remembers our sins no more. And we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That's what ministers to the heart. God says, minister to her heart. Speak tenderly to her heart. And He goes on to say in verse 2, and cry out to her. Again, this is a command in the Hebrew. You must cry out to Jerusalem. After they've gone into this captivity and experienced this, uh, this captivity in Babylon and Jerusalem's destroyed and they're slaves for 70 years, when they finally come back, cry out to them. You must cry out to Jerusalem. And what should they cry out to Jerusalem? Look what it says in verse 2. That her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. He says, cry out to my people. You must cry out to Jerusalem and tell them that their warfare is ended. Their trials are over. Their affliction is finished. The hardship is finished. 
Again, you can imagine the Jews that are in Babylon as slaves reading these verses in the hope that this would give them, that there would be a day when they would go back to Jerusalem and rebuild that city, and there would be a day when the warfare is over. You and I look forward to that day, right? When we're with the Lord and the warfare is over, and the affliction ends, and the trials end, there's a future for us. And the Bible says, though you may sorrow Though your sorrow may last for a night, joy comes in the morning. There's a morning, the night will pass, the morning will dawn. The affliction will be over. Warfare will end. And cry out to her. You must cry out to her and tell her that her iniquity is pardoned. Her iniquity is pardoned. Now the word iniquity, you see that word in your Bible, and it's different from sin. The word sin means to simply miss the mark. I'm trying to hit the mark, but I missed the mark. I was trying to get it right, but I got it wrong. It's different from a transgression. A transgression is when I do something I know is wrong, but I do it anyways. You know, I cross the line that I know I'm not supposed to cross. That's transgression. Iniquity is deeper than that. Iniquity is deeper than that. Uh, Iniquity is is perversity, it's depravity. The root word of iniquity, it literally means twisted or warped. We all have a warped heart to a degree, all of us. Uh, We all have a twisted nature. We all have a, a twisted side to us. That's why you think things that you think sometimes. When you're in certain situations and something pops into your head and you yourself know that's pretty twisted. And you think it's funny and you kind of laugh to yourself. I can't believe I just thought that, you know. Why is that? Because because we all naturally, as part of, of the fall, we all naturally have just kind of this twisted mind or this twisted nature where we think perverse things we think warped things. And that, that's, that's our iniquity. It's different from sin. It's different from transgression. You know, iniquity is the cause of our sin. Uh, you know, you could think of it as iniquity is, is the disease and sin is the symptom, right? Because I have this warped mind uh, and this warped heart, I sin. The same is true for you. Sin is more like the symptom. And in verse 2, God says, you must tell my people that her iniquity is pardoned. He's getting to the heart of the matter, the heart of the issue, the, the thing that is causing the sin and the transgression. God is getting down deep to that, down to the root. And he says, make sure they know, tell them, he commands, you must cry out and tell them, that their iniquity is pardoned. In Isaiah 53, God tells us how He pardons our iniquity, right? He's wounded for our transgressions. He's bruised for our iniquities. Jesus Christ was bruised for our iniquities. He He was crushed. He was crucified, sacrificed for us, 
for our iniquities, for our, our twistedness. He died for us. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton today for Ring of Truth. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from Pastor Dan, they're available to you at our website, calvaryec.com. We'd also like to take a moment to invite you to partner with us here at Ring of Truth. Would you consider investing in this ministry financially? Your investment of any amount will be used to bring these daily Bible studies to you and other listeners. Throughout this month, as our way of saying thank you for partnering with us, we will send you a wonderful devotional called 31 Days of December. This simple daily devotional, written for women, is designed to keep your focus on Jesus during one of the busiest months of the year. The devotional begins on the first day of December and walks you through the story of the birth of Jesus in daily bite-sized pieces. It's the perfect tool to keep Jesus in the forefront of your Christmas season. To get your copy of 31 Days of December, call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. Or visit our website at calvaryec.com and click on Give. That's calvaryec.com. We will gladly mail a copy to you Thank you for partnering with us, and thank you for listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice, and it only takes Reach true.